This is Faster, a podcast by Flow Cycling. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, we design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our Give Back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Faster. I am your host, John Thornham, and today we're going to be discussing tire pressure and why you have lower tire pressures with wider rims and wire tires. So it is something that we have been talking about. We've been preaching it for years now that we have to bring our tire pressures down, and we've not really done a full article or episode about why that is, explaining the math behind it. Um, years ago I wrote one and then I never really published it because it is an extremely complex, uh, mathematical equation relating to the pneumatics of tires. So pneumatic tires and casing tension, a number of things is a, is a complex topic. Um, however, I did write one. Um, I use an example in this blog post, which I'll put in the show notes so you guys can see it if you want to check out the math. But it talks about um, why, and it shows from a mathematical perspective, and we talk about the science behind why it works, um, you need lower tire pressures for um, larger tires or wider rims. So before I get into the math and all of that, um, ultimately, I kind of want to talk a little bit about why it is important, um, especially when you're looking at it from a road and gravel perspective mountain is a little bit different uh in the mountain world um you're going to see rims all the time that are hookless um hookless is very very common it is the the standard in fact in mountain biking and there's a few reasons for that um, you do have lower pressures uh in mountain biking doesn't mean that the casing tension is lower i get that but uh and we'll talk about that more in a minute as well but the tires that are made and the rims that are made um, have had probably close to 20-ish, maybe even longer uh, years to develop to be very integrated. Um, they work extremely well together. Um, everything is, is known um, to an exactness. So it is very easy to set up Mountain Bike Today tubeless and understand that things are, are safe. The minute that you go over to road cycling... Well, in some ways, you can say that tubeless on road is still sort of in its, I don't necessarily want to say it's in its infancy anymore um, because tubeless has been around on road and there's been a lot of advances recently from a tubeless perspective. Hookless, though, hookless rims are still sort of in that infancy um, stage, in my opinion. Uh, there have been studies by us. There's been studies by a number of other people, well, very well-respected people in this space that I trust and know um, that have shown that road tubeless, um, with hookless rims can result in blow offs, um, uh, because of the pressures that are, that are there. Um, 
really the biggest issue and biggest reason that I see, uh, and from talking with others as well, is that the construction and manufacturing of certain tires and the, the tolerances and things that are happening um, aren't 100% there yet. Um, every one of the rims that we make at Flow, especially on the road and gravel side, does include a hook. Uh, there are arguments as to why there are slight benefits for a hookless design, um, but we have not decided to compromise safety in any way. Um, the other thing that is extremely limiting when you get to a hookless design is that you are, most manufacturers, pretty much all manufacturers, will give you a specific list of tires that you are allowed to use. So you're limited on the tire use. Even though some of the tires that I've seen, um, I have heard stories and seen things from a blow-off perspective, uh, especially when you start getting into pressures that are not recommended. And I don't think it's discussed enough about the safety um, and the concerns for blow-offs with a this hookless concept. I'm not saying I'm against hookless. I think hookless eventually will become much better. I think it will be something that will be great. I'm just saying today uh, that you need to be careful. So I'm not even knocking any other manufacturers that use hookless. I'm not saying that that's the case either. I just know for me, um, hooks are something that we are still uh, happy to use because the benefits in our opinion far outweigh the potential negatives. That being said, let's talk about uh, some of the tech and science behind why it works and how it works. So if you've ever noticed um, uh, how a wheel or tire feels, uh, if you have a road wheel, let's say you pump it up to 90 PSI, you squeeze it with your thumb, you can tell that it feels pretty, pretty firm. If you go to a mountain bike, let's say you have it at uh, 28, maybe 32 PSI, and you squeeze it with your thumb, it feels about the same firmness. If you have a fat bike, you might be down around two to three PSI and you get that same feel when you, when you hit the rim. So what's interesting about that is if you had three PSI in a road wheel, um, you wouldn't even know you had three PSI. It was just, you would just assume it was like completely flat. So there is math that exists that, uh, that helps with that. Um, we've talked in the past about the idea of casing tension. Um, I had a blog article years ago that talked about how a tire supports its load Essentially, you need enough tire pressure inside of it to allow something called the carcass of the tire, basically the casing, to hold enough um, casing tension to be able to be um, have that hard, firm feel and allow the tire to support its load. Um, what that all relates to and, and how it works is around something called hoop stress. So hoop stress is pretty complicated um, in a number of ways. Um, The simplest example is to think of like a a propane tank or a cylinder. Um, There's some equations that go into showing that. But what you need to know, and if you really want to get into the math, what I do recommend is you take a look at the accompanying blog article because it's going to be a lot more beneficial to read the equations as opposed to me trying to explain them over uh, a podcast. Um, but it, a lot of it is related to the, the radius or the diameter of the cylinder itself. So if you have a very small cylinder, um, then the force is going to be smaller because there's an equation that for the force, um, that has, and, and the stress itself where the diameter is on the top of a, of a denominator equation. So the larger that, uh, diameter is the larger the force of the stress you're going to have when it gets smaller. Um, then that, that casing tension 
or that stress or that force is going to reduce. So also we have um, pressure. Air pressure is also on the top. So as one, if you're going to keep the force the same, as the diameter gets bigger, then something at the, at the top also has to change. And that is going to be that pressure. So you can see that as you increase the diameter, the pressure goes down for the same force or same casing tension. And as you decrease the diameter, the pressure then would have to go up to keep that constant. So let's look at like a real example, uh, like a real world example and talk about how um, that would change. So I used in the blog uh, article, uh, we used to have what was called our Flow 60 carbon clincher rim. It had a seven, uh, 17 millimeter uh, internal rim width. And then the new Flow like 64, which is its replacement, it has a 21 millimeter internal rim width. Let's say that we use a 28 millimeter tire on both of those. So 28 mils is going to be the width of the tire. Um, and that's always something that's very difficult to use. I wish they use a different number. It's not the best number because ultimately what you want to know is what is the width of the tire when it's installed on the rim. So when you get it up to a certain pressure, if you take calipers and you measure the width of the tire, you're going to get a certain uh, size of that tire. So if you think about the, the width change in the rim, we're going from 21 millimeters to seven to 17 millimeters. That's a difference of four millimeters. If we do some math, uh, we can determine that the diameter of the larger one, let's assume that the small one has a 28 millimeter diameter on the 17 mil, then the increase in diameter of the tire is going to go up to about 29.3 millimeters. So we're increasing that. So if we take those two different um, tires and those two different, same tire, but two different rims, and then we say we put a lower uh, pressure around 80 PSI in the 17 millimeter rim, the question is, is what to have the same casing tension, what would the tire pressure in the larger rim be, the 21 millimeter rim? And when you do the math, it works out to about 76.5 PSI. So right away, we know that in order to have the same casing tension, we are lowering almost four PSI, three and a half PSI to get that same casing tension. The other thing that is important to know in cycling is that over the last, I would say five years, we've essentially gone from a 23 millimeter tire size up to people now using 32, 28s and 32s is kind of a standard. So that jump alone is something that you really need to consider. What doubles the the factor here is that while the tires are getting wider, rims are also getting significantly wider. When we go from 17 millimeters to 21 millimeters in a, you know, a, a single generation, um, that's a massive, massive shift. So there are still a lot of people that are out there that are running with this belief that, you know, I need to pump my tires up to 120 PSI. And we know, and I've covered this at length in this podcast, and I'll discuss it again because it is so important, that when you have high, high, high tire pressures like that, you are losing a ton of time to rolling resistance. What we look at um, on the road is something called the impedance breakpoint. So the impedance breakpoint is basically when you're rolling down the road uh, and you're on your bike and your tire pressures are so high that the small imperfections that are in the surface of the road actually cause you to start bouncing up and down. What does that mean? Um, energy that you put into the pedals to move you forward, the watts that you put in, you want them to be moving you forward. So anything that hinders that or alters that is going to cause a loss of watts. So when you think about a machine, a mechanical efficiency, you're putting in 250 watts. Ideally, if we want to 100% efficiency, we would be getting out 100, 250 watts out. So that's all being used to move you forward. We need to consider 
the mechanical things that are in the way of us doing that. One of those things is rolling resistance. Um, so when you start to go down the road and you start to bounce up and down, the watts that you're putting into the pedal pedals are actually being used to bounce you up and down. That energy is moving up and down as opposed to moving you forward, which is a cause for a lot of um, reduction in watts and uh, much increased rolling resistance. So it's very, very, very important. It's actually one of the reasons we developed a new product called the Flow Air Gauge is because we know that for every PSI that you are over that um, impedance breakpoint, you are going to be losing one watt. It's much better to be lower in pressure. Um, pumps themselves these days are, most pumps are accurate to about plus or minus nine PSI. So you could be over nine PSI thinking you're at the right pressure. So we developed a flow air gauge with an extremely accurate gauge to give you the ability to set a pressure and lock it in with a cool thing called a flow locking chuck. Um, and that's why we developed that product because we understand the importance of, of tire pressure and managing it. Now, not only is it important to think about it from a rolling resistance perspective, but when we know that tires and rims are getting wider, and if you have a hookless rim or even a hooked rim and your tire pressure is so high, um, you do have the potential for blow-offs, especially on the hookless side. So if you do have hookless wheels and you're just kind of a standout on this pressure thing, just think about it from a safety perspective, and let's try and get um, those tire pressures to come down. Final thing I'll talk about is the idea of, of grip. So Anytime you're starting to bounce up and down, you're making less and less contact with the surface of the road. And when your tire pressure is high, the contact patch, which sits under the tire, so basically how the tire deforms is it makes contact with the surface of the road, is smaller. So as you're cornering and you're going around corners, if you ever find your front wheel or yourself slipping out or you don't feel like you have grip, it's another indicator that you're probably bouncing some and your tire pressure is too high because you have an inability to maintain contact with the surface of the road. So, uh, understanding why you need lower tire pressure from a watt uh, point perspective when you have wider rims is vitally important. Uh, getting those tire pressures down and affecting, effectively managing them could potentially save you up to easily 20, 30, 40 watts. So, hope you found this episode interesting. If you have questions, comments, please feel to reach out. We have wheel one-on-ones. You can ask me any follow-up questions you have here. Um, I'd love to answer them for you and get you set up with the right tire pressures and everything you need to help you have a good day out there and be faster. Uh, everybody stay safe and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Faster. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Leave a review or teach a friend what you learned today. For more great episodes on getting faster, subscribe to this podcast. While you're on your next ride, be kind to one another and ride safe.